When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Thelman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, with more and more hobbyists thinking further outside that proverbial box than ever before when planning aquariums, we're starting to see more functionally aesthetic representations of all sorts of aquatic habitats as never before. We've talked a lot about flooded forest floors and inundated meadows in the tropical regions of the world, specifically, you know, South America and Southeast Asia. And being terrestrial habitats, these forest floors are often covered with shrubs and grasses, many of which are not typically available in the aquarium hobby. Grasses such as Paspalum repens, a common species found in South America, and several other grasses are quite abundant in these habitats and are most resistant to prolonged submersion. Now, there are species of Paspalum which are available as seed in many parts of the world, particularly North America and Europe. You absolutely can grow these and utilize them for the role of generic, you know, Pantanal grasses or forest grasses in your displays. Many of them are remarkably tolerant of submersion for, you know, brief periods of time. Now, my other challenge to plant lovers in general, let's figure out which terrestrial plants can tolerate, grow, thrive under submerged, partially submerged conditions. Perhaps a more realistic, not in the hardcore, you know, biotopic sense, avenue to explore in this regard. Now, I've got one tree for you to research. The dominant terrestrial plant in South American flooded forests is Eugenia inundata. Don't think that I'm not well underway in my somewhat futile efforts to see if we can secure fallen leaves of this plant. You'll also find Eritrea satagera, Socratia exorhiza, Morichella aculata palms in these areas. These are tongue-twisting names, but that gives you some, some food for thought, some stuff to look at. Now, like so many things from the Amazon, it's not easy, read that damn near impossible, to secure botanical material from this region. So the proverbial don't hold your breath waiting for this comes to mind. Oh, and of course, submerged grasses that we see and drool over in those underwater picks from our friends Mike Tuganardi and Ivan Mikolji of these habitats, well, they're typically Paspalum repens and Oryza perennius, um, species that are actually found in the hobby. And we do have access to some species, such as sedges and other riparian or semi-aquatic bog plants, from genera that are found in these regions, such as papyrus, which is also known as cypress, uh, acorus, which is an old fave of ours, and the aforementioned oris. I always pronounce this one wrong. Oris, oris, I don't even know how to pronounce it, so you can laugh at me fumbling with the name, but I want to hear you pronounce it. Um, they're surprisingly popular plants in the hobby, and for the purpose of recreating one of these seasonally inundated habitats, they're near perfect. Since many of these plants tolerate submersion for extended periods of time, they're of great interest to many of us in our aquariums. Of course, part of what interests me is that these are generally very hardy plants. There are numerous species more commonly available from commercial nurseries in North American and European nations, so creating realistic representations of these habitats in our aquariums is more attainable than ever. Now, with this in mind, there are lots and lots of possibilities for creating unique you know, aquatic displays with what I would call aquatic analogs of these grasses and shrubs. In other words, incorporating some true aquatics to replicate the look of the flooded forest using representative species. So what do I mean by this? Well, first of all, I freely admit this is a total cheat. 
But when you think about it, it's a pretty good method that can be employed if you want to represent the inundation period for the theme of your aquarium, and if you're not able to secure or grow the terrestrial or semi-aquatic analogs uh, to the species found in these habitats. So I'm thinking plants like Echinodorus tenellus, the pygmy chain sword, which grows in most, you know, a grass-like state, and is certainly representative of the grasses one might find in a flooded Pantanal or forest floor habitat in South America. It's not hard to cultivate a little section of these plants in your representation of a flooded forest and drop in a few leaves and botanicals and achieve a really realistic looking facsimile. Another great candidate that has a sort of generic tropical grass-like appearance would be Cryptocarine parva. Uh, this diminutive little plant can be grown submerged, so for the semi-flooded Igapo or Varzia biotope aquariums, it would really be adaptable. Granted, it comes from a different part of the world, but again, we're talking about cheating here. And when it's submerged, by the way, it bears a strong resemblance to paspalum or other tropical submersion-resistant grasses. So, very cool, right? I suppose the old fave Sagittaria could also be employed for this purpose, but some species can achieve a pretty large size and ultimately may not be as realistic, so you need to choose carefully. And there's more exotic but readily available as tissue-cultured plants like Lilopsis and... Uh, the micro, you know, the so-called micro swords. And of course, since we're representing a flooded forest floor or meadow with patchy growth over, you know, rich soil and leaves, you likely don't need to have a full-on green lawn that every planet, of course, strives for. Uh, a little bit of open space, some twigs, some roots, some bark pieces, a few seed pods, exposed substrate, and you're well on your way to creating a remarkably cool tank. Just plant some of it here or there in the tank and, well, you get the idea. Again, since the intense growth of aquatic plants isn't the primary focus of such a display, you have a tremendous amount of latitude over their care when working with them in this manner. You don't need to go nuts with CO2 or a massive and complicated fertilizer regimen. A good aquatic soil, sand, or other media accompanied by good lighting is all you need. Employing a good cover of leaf litter along with selected botanicals, you could create a very realistic representation of these habitats in your aquarium. I think that is, you know, what we're talking about here. Despite the fact that this is sort of a cheat, and yeah, it most definitely is, you can create a pretty faithful representation of these unique habitats and inspire further research in them, and it's both functional and aesthetic. You need not be hamstrung by not being able to source or obtain the actual terrestrial plants found in these habitats. You can always turn to these aquatic analogs for a good start. Work with what you got. Stay innovative, stay creative, stay studious, stay diligent. Stay resourceful and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. And I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.